0: This is The Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 245, recorded on January 21st, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all of favorite tech gadgets, news reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for The Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the average guy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And we post a show with world-class show notes. And you probably want to start checking out the show notes. There's some good stuff out there. Each week, we post those out at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can also join us live now through our new mobile app that we have available. If you haven't tried this out, go to any of our live pages or go to TheAverageGuy.tv slash subscribe. I've got two buttons for you there. Or, the easiest way to do it, go to home. GadgetGeeks.com And you'll see the links for both the Android app and the iPhone app. It's really the easiest way to listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the road. We are broadcasting live right now. You could be, if you were on the road, you could be using one of our apps to stream the audio of this live. And to get the show no matter what. All the recorded versions of Home Gadget Geeks go out there as well. So check that out, homegadgetgeeks.com. And of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts, including one of my favorite lately is from this guy, Rich Hay, down below there, Windows Observer podcast. If you really want a condensed version, I like, I, Rich, I say it's a no-nonsense, just-the-facts-we're-not-screwing-around kind of podcast. Yeah. You want to listen to Windows Observer. It's on The Geeks Network. You can find it at thegeeksnetwork.com. Well, Rich, while I'm talking about you, let me introduce you Rich Hay. He's uh, out there at Windows Observer. He writes for WinSuperSite and your own site as well, and then of course is behind the the Windows Observer
1: podcast. Rich, yeah, observe talking. tech podcast, observe tech. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a quick uh, forty five minute or so snapshot of the headlines with a little bit of opinion and thought thrown in there, and. Uh, been a little out of whack the last couple of weeks, yeah. but we got back on track this week. It was a late Tuesday afternoon recording that was a little weird. I love the morning recordings. I don't know why. I just love that five thirty a.m. recording on Monday mornings.
0: And you got you always get your coffee, little sip, and then yeah. <laughs>
1: but I learned how to truncate silence.
0: <laughs> it's all good. I, uh, I, I'm not joking. If you're, if you're a regular listener of Home Gadget Geeks and you really want to get, it's 30, 35,
1: right? You're, you're pretty Yeah, busy. it usually doesn't go longer than 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, so I can either listen 30. to minutes, two hours of Windows Weekly, which I still do from time to time, or I can get 30 yeah. minutes of, of, of Rich's, you know, Observed Tech podcast in a, and it's a lot of Windows news. We're going to talk some of about that tonight. I'm, I have Rich on. He's coming off of some really cool reviews. And the first of the year, we're going to talk a little bit about Microsoft. So, Rich, thanks for coming in. Uh, yep. Good to see you again. Thanks and for then, having me. Then, of course, uh, another uh, podcast out there on the Geeks Network is Mike's uh, Open Mic Night. And so, Mike Weiger, welcome to to Home Gadget Geeks. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Good to have you. I caught uh, Open Mic Night last night. And uh, surprisingly, not a lot of Apple stuff going on. It was all about PF Sense. What uh, what's going on there?
2: Yeah, we started off at the beginning of the show with some Apple news, some Apple headlines, and then I want to talk a little bit about the PF Sense box that. I had asked you during a show, hey, how are you monitoring your up and down on your entire network? And you had told me, hey, it's PFSense. So I looked around, asked some people for uh, any old towers that they had, built a PFSense box and i have been loving it. And so on the show, I just want to bring up just how I still use my Apple Airport Express and Extreme with the PFSense box, just in a different way. And there's some really cool advanced things you can do in PFSense with still using the guest network on the router. You can still use that and just tag it as a VLAN and do all sorts of stuff like that. So it related kind of, you know, it was a little bit tied into my Apple focus podcast, but it's been a really fun project and I've learned a lot. I've been forced to learn a lot. And uh, luckily it was just been some guessing and it works kind of stuff, but a lot of it was Googling and YouTube and you can just find just about anything nowadays. So. Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm also kidding.
0: seeing some interesting posts from you about some uh, X 86 architecture type boxes <laughs> that like, and then I saw something about maybe a certain person like, making you look at Windows a little more seriously since you've been on the
2: podcast. What the hell is going on over Yeah, there? I know. Everyone over on Open Mic Night, all the listeners are very confused, and they all don't like Jim very much. No, they love Jim. Jim was on last week, but uh, it's very known that he's been the guy that's gotten me into Windows. My mother, even, like, I was talking to her like a week ago, and she's like, well, I know Jim's been getting you into some Windows stuff. I'm like, first of all, how do you know Jim's name? Like, you don't listen to the show anymore. <laughs> I must have like brought it up at some point. I must talk about you a lot, which is, you know, I don't know what that is. As that's long
0: as it's not be, in but... your sleep. We're, but we're, yeah,
2: okay. right. Right. Exactly. But um, yeah, I l- talk about learning, trying to, I had two different boxes that were donated to me um, by actually commu- members of this community and which was awesome. So I grabbed two of those and just learning the difference between you know, 32 and 64 bit. And I knew the difference generally, but how that affects uh, running certain uh, free BSD stuff on there and trying to find the old versions of free NAS and uh, trying to, choose which computer is best for the router and which one is best for the free NAS box. And so just building those two things, it's been a, it's been a great learning process. Let me tell you, especially for someone who has come over from the Apple ecosystem and not really had to worry about that too much, you know, ever since the power uh, PC days and stuff like that. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed building it and now it's up and running and I'm monitoring my usage as we talk now. So oh, very cool. I feel like part. Of I have
1: to tell you for a minute, real quick. I've just gotten why it's called Open Mic Night. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. So
1: that's taken a while. It's oh. definitely
2: not built on comedy. <laughs> it's built on just me no. being able to ramble and babble about whatever I want, whenever yeah. I want. And I no, figured no, it was a no name. Shows I, I love, love that. shows like that. Yeah, and if I ever want to get rid of the Apple stuff, I the name just can kind of stay because it just is generic to whatever huh. I want to talk about. So it'll it's grow like and adapt tech. with me as I go, like
1: Observe Tech Home Gadget Show. Yeah, yes, right. it we grows with the, the same times. So,
2: Although yeah. we
0: all kind of rotate around, I think one of the things I've liked about our network is we don't always step on each other. We oh, we overlap and overlap. Yes, I think, but uh, but we do it well, and we'll continue to have folks from the network on. I try to have Rich on at least twice a year. He's a he's an MVP. As well for Microsoft. And so I try to have them on a couple times a year to talk about what we're doing at Microsoft and those
1: kinds yep, of things. just but got my seventh renewal on the 1st of January. Oh, you
0: know I got to turn my congratulations, by the Thanks. way. I've got to turn my stats in. It's that <laughs> time. I got that note from Carrie, and it's yeah, like. Yeah, we just uh, lost our lead again. I know. I know. Well, anyway, what else is new in Microsoft? Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Speaking of that, there's a lot of stuff new at Microsoft. Let's yep. talk a little bit about the work that you've done recently. I know you've been part of a, the Lumia phone trial, and there's been yeah. some stuff going on with that. Can you talk a little bit about that? What yeah, doing I got approached
1: um, by Lumia US, the handle at Lumia US on Twitter, and it's a, a guy behind it named Peter, and was asked if I wanted to be part of this Lumia trials thing. And what they were doing was they were inviting a handful of people. I think they might have invited 20 total um, to, to actually do a home trial of the Lumia 950 with a continuum dock or the display dock is Microsoft's calling it now. You don't say no to opportunities like that when somebody pings you on Twitter and says, Hey, can I send you an email? And then offers this. And so jumped in on it, got one of my other fellow MVPs, Sean Keen, um, to participate as my teammate. And they had pairs of us basically. And. Every other day during the week, they would send out challenges and they would be to talk about different features and functionality of the 950s, Windows 10 Mobile, the Continuum Dock. And um, so it was a great test because it it allowed me to really learn, uh, you know Windows 10 Mobile, all of us, most of us that are running it on some phone know Mobile, Windows 10 Mobile, but to get to research some of the features of the 950s, these high-end devices Microsoft released last year, the 950, 950 XL. Um, and so spent about a month doing that, trying different things. I, I told you, I did a blab for the first time. We talked for an hour about the the things I did four hours in continuum mode on purpose, just to see if I could do a morning's worth of work with it. And while it's doable, I probably would pull my hair out by the end of a full day. It, it's cause it's just such there's, it's great to be able to throw those apps that are compatible up on a full screen from the phone and still use the phone and all that kind of stuff and use a keyboard and a mouse. But it's great technology and it's a great demo of that technology. But it, it, to me, it's kind of like V1, obviously. It's kind of like the uh, the Windows Hello on the phone. It's neat. It's cool to try out. But once you've tried it, you turn it off and I use a pen, you know. Uh, windows hello on the desktop a little bit different that thing's hooked up to my main desktop and every time i sit down it logs me in that's cool you you think they'll switch i mean it's obvious that the the desktop version of hello is the right way and the phone is the wrong way i agree phone you got to be way too close i'm kidding you you've got to have it about this far from your eye for it to pick up your eye (laughs) so it's neat technology i i think it needs it It's got to go a little bit further. You know, it's got to get reiterated. And you know what? Look at Surface. Look at the Surface line of products. Back to 2013, 2012 when RT came out and then 2013 with Surface Pro. And they've iterated that hardware very well all along the way. And now we're at Surface Pro 4 and Surface Book. And I think they will do that with this technology as well. I I personally don't think Microsoft's going to stop building hardware of any kind, obviously. And I I think they're going to continue to build mobile hardware. But... I think as they go through different variations of this and d- different iterations, it'll improve. I mean, just again, look at Pro 4, look at Surface Book and what they've done compared to Surface Pro and Surface, the first one.
0: So in your opinion, Continuum is not ready for prime time for most people? Conti- at this no,
1: you know, they just released the Universal Windows Platform remote desktop preview, which technically would allow you to connect to a remote desktop server or a system run in regular Windows and actually run x86 Win32 apps on, from through your phone through a remote connection. Mm-hmm. So that gives it a little bit more attractiveness, okay? Um, my cohort, Rod Trent on Supersite, uh, he's our now our con, uh, conference, and con, uh, conference and education director. He took his 950 to System Center Universe this week and purely used it as the social media push to a large Format monitor that monitored all the system s- center universe hashtag the whole time they were there. So it's got its juices. Like I said, four hours on that bad boy just wore me out. And so th- as more apps come on board uh, that are compatible with Continuum and can be displayed on the larger monitor, I think that will be better. But there's lag and there's, it, you know, it just it's a little rough around the edges, as you would expect from something that's V1. So, do we expect the 950 and the XL
0: to be kind of the sacrificial lambs of this generation of phones? Yeah, and they'll throw
1: them out there and get some feedback, and the next generation should be better. Is that? Is that I would think thinking? so. Again, I, I keep going back to Surface with, when it comes to Microsoft and what they did between Surface RT and then what they did Surface Pro, and they learned from each successive cycle and got better and improved things and changed things, like the speakers. Remember on Surface, the speakers were pointing backwards. In fact I still have my surface ears to put on the surface 2 to push the this even through surface 2 the speakers were backwards mm-hmm. it was finally in surface 3 that they pushed them the forward ears, remember the yeah ears the thing. little black ears that yeah. go over the edges and corner and and I used to use a recipe book all right when yep. we would watch movies on the surface 2 so now you know so they each time they've learned they listen and they've improved the devices and I suspect that that will be the same thing with these now whether that's you might have seen Paul Thrott's rant today about surface phone. I don't know if you saw it on Thrott.com or not, not, but no. he basically said whether there's a Surface Phone or not, that the reality is that no one piece of hardware is going to save Windows Phone. Right. Windows Phone's always going to be a third or fourth place or whatever it is. I don't think Microsoft abandons it because they've put too much investment in the whole, you know, the whole scale. So all the way from Internet of Things all the way up to the big 83 inch surface hub. But they're not going to 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 be spending a lot of effort and money to try to grow that market. It's just not there. Well, well, you say
0: you know. So you say it won't save the phone, the Surface phone. Don't won't save the phone will. market. But when when Surface first came out, tablets were. I mean, the Microsoft end on tablets were, was dead, and yet oh, it was, yeah, it it was big has, time. It has completely resurrected it. I mean, I can't well, believe. And, and I
1: agree. But but what's yeah. resurrected it? You know, they took a big hit for that too, a billion dollars. Sure. Yeah. And they took a big billion-dollar hit for Nokia, too, when, from right. the purchase of Nokia last year. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. There's potential there, but I I don't know. It's kind of hard to see. It's kind of like back in the yeah. Surface days four years ago to see it, but maybe. I mean, it's feasible that it could happen. I I don't disagree
0: with you, by the way, Rich. I, I totally agree with you. However, so we put uh, that kangaroo device in Mike Weger's hands. Right, and right. And all of a sudden – there may be now, and now if we can marry, so if the 950, the next version or two of mm. it can actually be a desktop replacement, because that Kangaroo is a desktop replacement. It just doesn't have a phone in it. Right. So imagine getting phone capabilities in that, in that Kangaroo size, doing everything it does. All of a sudden, the phone, it's not about the phone anymore. It's about a compelling device that has a phone in it. Correct. That it's I can It's about the experience. Do. Yeah. So and and that, Satya you know, Nadella has could, talked
1: about the portability of the experience being their focus. It's why they're pushing so many apps to iOS and Android, you know, and and they're doing this and, and you can see the typical spin ups of the Windows phone fans when this happens, you know, whether it be the iOS selfie app or, you know, what was it today? An alarm app that wants you to play a game in order to turn it off or something for Android from Microsoft garage. So, you know, everybody on Windows Phone platform is going, okay, we want to love this, we want to do this, but we keep seeing you go to all these Microsoft's not going to stop doing that. I think that's Satya Nadella's strength is he understands where Ballmer before him focused purely Microsoft, you know, stovepipes. It right. didn't much get out of those lanes. Satya Nadella has chosen to embrace the fact that people are everywhere and they're everywhere using their products. And I know Mike can probably talk to the fact that the quality of the products on iOS and Android. Are unreal. I mean, I even wrote about that when I did my six-month stint on an Android LG G4, how much better some of the Microsoft apps were on there than they even were on Windows Phone. The the Authenticator app, the Authenticator app on Android, you know, it's a one-tap push to authenticate a two-factor login anywhere from anywhere to your phone. Well, you may have seen a couple weeks ago uh, a Windows Store listing sneaked out of an internal beta of an Authenticator app. For Windows Phone, Windows 10 Mobile, that has those capabilities. So they're coming back to us, don't you know? So they're getting there. And you got to think look at the parade of Windows, of universal Windows platform apps that have come out over the last month. Today, Dropbox, I think Rudy Hume built it and he said they confirmed he's also building a mobile version. It uses Windows Hello, for instance, on the desktop to log you into your files if you want. So that's the first app I've seen take Windows Hello away from just being a login function and put it to use in the app itself. Some
0: some security. Rich, you've been covering kind of the parade of apps in in Observe Tech. That's right. I I get this feeling as an observer from the outside looking in that it's picking up speed. And so all of a sudden, this... This app gap
1: is closing. Is it closing fast enough in your opinion? I, I don't know if it's fast enough, if that there's a definition of fast enough, um, because I met, commented to somebody on Twitter because they pointed me to Paul Thorat's blog post about Surface Phone and wanted me to chime in. And and I agree with Paul that a single piece of hardware is not going to save. The, it's not the you know the holy grail to save the platform. It's going to be the apps, because when I was on the G4, there weren't any apps I couldn't live without. But it was pretty convenient to bank, deposit checks, and do stuff like that right from my phone. Now I'm back on Windows 10 Mobile. I can't do some of those things. Um, but American Express came out with an app. So, you know, it, it's, it's changing. It's moving in that direction. And, and you saw this week, now they're really pushing towards the iOS guys with a new series of blog posts from the development side to show them how easy it is to port an app from iOS into Windows 10 mobile as a universal Windows platform app. And I think that's where the magic is. Don't worry about Android. Don't worry about Android apps. We're running them in virtual whatever. Get those iOS guys who have already built the apps and have got most of the work done, get them to start coming over to the platform and finding the value there. I think that's what Build's gonna focus on. You know, last year they brought up these bridges. We're not hearing much about a story anymore, right? The Android one just kind of fell off the face of the earth iOS Project Islandwood is the one getting a lot of attention now. And again, that blog post they did this week was extensive about how to take that app from iOS into Windows 10 Mobile. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Build. Uh, are you going to Build this year? Did you get a ticket uh, in one minute? It was I, I didn't register. I we're waiting on our press registration to go attend as press. Uh, what he, I am curious, though. It seemed the word was from Steve Guggenheimer that it sold out in one minute.
0: That's what I heard. I heard um, that today.
1: And uh, so obviously either people skipped over the part or didn't read the part about there's no freebies or the people just want to get there. Now here's the issue I have. He made a tweet that talked about the sellout and then said, but we will work harder next year to grow capacity. Well, last year they sold out in 20 minutes for the same location. Why didn't they make that effort this year? Mm-hmm. I, I know Microsoft's been trimming money everywhere, you know, and, and trying to be frugal, but, a lot of people have come to me after writing about that very thing and said, well, after a 20-minute sellout last year, why weren't they looking for more capability and more you know, throughput for people? They raised the price $100 this year, actually, and there's no hardware giveaway, and last year's hardware giveaway was equivalent to about $1,200, the Spectre X360, and they say that there will be more in-depth sessions and things of that nature. So, I, and when When is that coming up? Uh, build is the end of March. It like 30 March to two April or something like that in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. Oh, very cool. Rich, give us your rundown on Windows 10 and the state of it today. I mean,
0: if you were to kind of summarize where Windows 10 has been and where do you think it's going, give us the first where it's been and then uh, where do you think it's going for, for the average guy?
1: Uh, for, for the average Joe who's out there, you know, with the alerts popping up in their computers, there's a lot of folks that don't want to move. They don't like Microsoft has been pretty heavy handed with the upgrade prompts. And just recently they switched over now to focus on small to medium businesses. It used to be, if you were domain joined or, uh, you, had, you could not do it. and If you use WSUSE to update your systems, you won't be doing it anyway. But they're now targeting those small to medium businesses, which is typically 249 seats or lower, or computers. So those guys are eligible for the free upgrade. They hit over 200 million active users, which I'm glad they changed the count from installs to active users because active users, I checked with them, is a measurement of the last 30 days. So that means if somebody installed Windows 10 and then backed out, they're not being counted. A lot of people were claiming that those were being counted as upgrades in their numbers. So the active count is a much better measurement, in my opinion, because those are people who are turning on their computers in the last 30 days running Windows 10. Um, Today, we got another build. We've now had two builds in eight days since the new year for Windows 10, the Redstone branch. That is the test version for Windows Insider. That's in the Uh, fast ring. Huh? That's in the fast ring. That's fastering, right, uh, which they promised. They've been promising for months. But so far, two and eight days is pretty quick pace. We'll see if we get another one in seven to ten days. And maybe we're starting to form a pattern and not just, you know, happenstance releases. Got one new feature today in Microsoft Edge. And they, now you can right-click on the arrows forward and back and see your history. And so you can quickly go back to in the, in the tab, not in every tab, just that tab itself. Um, And I did a I've done a video today that I've rendered and it's ready to go for tomorrow based on a story I wrote last week about managing favorites in Microsoft Edge. I talked about on this week's show, but there is actually a very basic way to manage your favorites in Edge, even though there's not a formal tool. So that video is going to come out tomorrow on Supersite for Windows. But Windows 10 for me has been extremely stable. I'm running it on two desktop systems, three desktop systems. Uh, two laptops. One is running the Insider build. And then I'm running it on an HP Stream 7. And of course, I'm running the latest build of Windows 10 Mobile uh, Insider on my 950. So for me, it's been extremely stable. But Windows 10 has been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde for people. There's a wide variety of experiences. If you go look on Twitter, you don't have to look any further than gay ball. Just search for those letters and you will see the amount of stuff that gets thrown his way about People and their systems and what's going on and what's not working well. So I can't tell you why I'm having a very different experience than others are. Uh, Rod Trent, my again, my cohort from SuperSight, we both have the same piece of hardware, same BIOS, running Windows 10. He has horrible daily experiences. I don't. The only difference between the two is I did clean installs, he's done upgrades. So it it leaves you kind of throwing your hands up and going, why is that? Why are there so many variations in this, in the experience? And I I don't know why, you know, so many different, what was it? The first count was uh, the 30 day count they did for us 75 million installs, I think at 30 days, because it was 14 million after 24 hours, 75 at the end of the first month, 90,000 different configurations. It's not like an Apple. It's not like a Mac. Those things are pretty standard hardware, right? Yeah. In yeah. the PC world, I mean, one of mine is a beige box. I built it myself, you know? So I've got two, three systems in this house desktop systems that I built. So the variation with Windows has always been that way, though. Problem is you got to get the hardware guys, the OEMs, to keep up to speed with the drivers and things of that nature. Some of the more recent hardware is going to be much better in that way. HP kind of led the way last year with the Spectre. All those drivers are on Windows Update instead of having to go to their site to get them. So if more OEMs do that, and as you watch CES, I'm sure you saw the different kind of stuff we're seeing. Think about the difference. What Windows 10 has done, it's driven innovation when it comes to computers. And we're seeing so many cool form factors, the improvements on previous form factors. Uh, Even HP upgraded the Spectre to a 15-inch screen. Uh, The Yoga 900, Rod Trent can't say enough about that. So, you know, it's driven some innovation in the OEM world. And these aren't just little plastic clamshell systems. We're talking about machined aluminum, very nice hardware that goes along with the performance. So, and you saw the news uh what was it earlier this week? Microsoft's going to stop supporting the old silicone for Windows Ten at some point, so you know how many businesses have you dealt with who's running on you know stuff that used to run Vista?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, so
1: I know at Best Buy that's what I saw all the time. I, people would come in and say, "You know, I've been running this Vista system for ten years or right. seven system whatever it is, and I could not convince them to upgrade because, uh, and they didn't understand the amount of performance improvement they would get yeah. over that. It's, so as hardware improves, I think Windows 10 loves the new stuff, works pretty good on the older stuff. I just got a call this week from from
0: somebody who found, Mike, somebody who somebody found you and me, and I think they found you, they were looking for you, and so I called her back to see what she wanted. She's still running Windows XP. Oh. And so I was, yeah, I was like, so what's keeping you from upgrading? I mean, I can get you a Windows 10 box for 99 bucks. so... Yeah you know, what's keeping you from upgrading. But Mike, speaking of 99 bucks, how is, as we think of the Windows 10 experience, you're coming at it fresh. What has been your experience with Windows 10 over the last three or four weeks?
2: Well, I think that's kind of hard to, yeah, I mean, coming in fresh is the great way to describe it because I didn't really have much experience with Windows before this, besides in the work environment, which is extremely limited. But coming in as a as a new user, it's been relatively easy to switch over easy to find things uh the existence of cortana in the computer has been a great help to a new user you know to asking her to open some preferences and i just say generally what i'm trying to do and hopefully she gets it and she usually does Uh, there haven't been too many bugs with it uh like i said running it on the kangaroo so it's been running on a 99 dollars pc and it's been fantastic we have it set up in our living room right now right now still as our a home search machine. We get on there, we turn on the TV and we go to Zillow and we look for houses. That's been our, that's what the machine is being used for right now. And it works perfectly for that, for something in the living room um, it has no problem with the big screen. I found it to be pretty, pretty flawless so far. I haven't had too many bugs. Uh, I haven't been using too many different apps in the sense of like, I don't, I stick to mainly the browser, Microsoft Word, email, those sort of things. So my experience is still a little bit limited. I haven't tried to run any of the, you know, the Adobe suite or anything like that. I haven't done too much editing. I've done a little bit of audio editing on it, and that's been pretty well. I did that with Audacity, and it worked pretty well. So besides anything else, um, it's been pretty nice, I have to say. And, and that's, this is the Apple guy talking. This is the Apple fanboy saying that Windows 10 works pretty well. So what's the uh, specs on that thing? Yeah. You know, I have it's to. A, I always have to look them up. I can never remember. Do it's you know an a Atom jam?
0: processor. It's two gig of RAM, and it's a thirty-two gig
1: hard drive, basically. So, right along the lines of Surface Two.
0: Yeah, Well, Surface yeah, Two had
1: cool. four gigs. So, but the two's a, the two's a little light.
0: We asked the guys. We interviewed the guys from Kangaroo and said, mm-hmm. "Why two?" You know, and they're like, "Well, that's that's where we started." And they're they're thinking of upgrading some models or providing mm-hmm. some models that have four in it, but.
1: But you quickly realize using something like the HP Stream 7 or some of these, you know, tablets that are a couple years old that came out with 8.1, that it doesn't take much more than two gig for the kind of functionality you typically get out of a machine like that or a device like that. Right. So
2: loading up a machine with that with a bunch of RAM. I mean, yeah, four would probably be good. Anything more than four would kind of be a waste when you're uh, yeah, limited yeah. on other. You have bottlenecks other places besides. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Four, probably four would be the kind of max. Right. Know? I mean, I got 16 gig on my main desktop, but that's because. That's I run what
2: it. I have, too. I run 16 yeah. on my iMac, So, yeah.
1: Oh, so Brian
0: says uh, it's a limit uh, for the free OS for Microsoft, the two gig. So if you go above. Two uh, gigs, okay. Good that. point. Good point.
1: That, but I, I also thought that was tied to the screen size too, that they That's weren't true. licensed under eight inches or something, but yeah, it may well, be a combination I, of the two.
0: Yeah. Or a price point somewhere in there and getting manufactured. Mike, one of the things I want you to try this week and report back next week is a uh, Pluto, P-L-U-T-O dot TV on the, on the kangaroo. It's, it's kind of like they got all, they've got about 60 channels out. There are all kinds of different things you can watch. I'm interested to see, you know it doesn't have media center on it and blah 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 blah. but pluto.tv is one of these sites i found that looks very very close to what you would get in your cable you through your cable box or through your your uh you know your satellite dish um and it's all streamed like like via youtube which is kind of cool so really give that a shot mike and if okay. you're listening to this i'd be interested in you guys uh, 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 um bill conrad who is a, uh, another podcaster in our community, turned this, turned me on to this the other day, and I'm like, This is really good. And it's actually really functional, which is kind of crazy. So Pluto.tv, give that a try. Let us know, Mike, report back. Rich, we yeah, have a I question, try. we have a question for you from uh, Ken. He yep. says, uh, Can you speak to why a clean install matters? I was under the impression that an upgraded uh, that the upgrade essentially was a clean install of the base OS.
1: And, and it is. Uh, and in fact, I was one of the ones very early on in the whole Windows 10 thing that talked about, hey, guys, quit thinking you got to clean install. And, you know, choosing the right options during that upgrade process basically cleans out everything, brings it into a new setting. However, I think the issue arises with the import process. So because when you do an upgrade on Windows 10, and this existed in 8.1 as well. It stores the old version of Windows in a directory called Windows.old. And then it creates a new Windows installation, and then it imports your apps, settings, files, and programs, not desktop programs at the time, it was apps only, into your new setup. So if anything, if there's a hiccup during that import process, if anything was corrupted beforehand, it's feasible that that corruption or that hiccup is going to come into the new laydown, the new OS that you're putting in so when i chose to hit every one of my systems with a fresh install and when i say fresh install i mean no data no imports no i i picked that remove the partition and make this thing a brand new clean install and i i'm not kidding you my experience with windows 10 since that time frame has been almost immaculate again Every version of Windows, you always had your hiccups. You always had your little quirks and things that happened. You just reboot and you keep moving forward. But you hear some of the stories out there. Like I said, Rod, some of the horror stories Rod has told me about his own experience with Windows 10. Blue screens, I hardly, knock on wood, I hardly see a blue screen on any one of my systems. Am I using them differently? Maybe Although I think I work a system pretty hard, especially my main desktop and my laptop, my primary laptop. So I I think it has to do with that import process. And if any one little element gets trashed, think about it. If the registry ever gets trashed on an install, that's the brains of your system. So by not bringing in the data, it just maybe that's made the difference. I don't know. That's the only thing that's really different, though.
0: I've been a big fan of just blowing that thing away and yes. starting from scratch every possible chance I get. I just I I don't know what it is. Uh, in the last couple of years, it's just always been cleaner for me to yeah. to go with a clean, fresh install and make it work that way. Not everybody can do that. Mike did on the kangaroo. You haven't read. You haven't uh, had to restore that at all, have you? That.
2: No, That's no restore point. process in there. But what I was going to say is on the Mac side too, I fully suggest a nuke and pave method. Um, especially if you have done a few upgrades on your Mac side through the different OSs, yeah. do a nuke and pave. I did it when I, a good time to do it is when you're switching over to an SSD. So if you need any computer that needs to be upgraded to an SSD, just do the nuke and pave you'll be surprised when you go to prep for it, how much of your stuff is in the cloud and how much is in Dropbox and things like that that you won't need. Or, you know, now with the addition of photos for Apple, if you take a photo on any of your Apple products, or anything that's in your photos library, that's all in the cloud and backed up. So you don't even need to back up the photos. Once you bring that down and you'll sign in, it'll download them all again. So just, I, I fully suggest on the Mac side, Mac, I think is even, I don't know, I guess I haven't done it with windows, but I think Mac has a worse reputation for the cruft that's left over from those operating mm-hmm. systems. And uh, And one way you can do it on a Mac, if you don't want to do a, clean install just boot into safe mode every once in a while on the Mac and that resets a lot of the caches and does a lot of stuff that uh, might help you out if you don't do nuke and paves. So Mm. I boot into safe mode about once or twice every six months just to kind of reset some things and it just cleans up the Mac a lot with that old stuff. So gotcha what you have to do stuff with a Mac I thought that just I thought (laughs) thought they they were shocking I know (laughs) No, their goal is to make you not think that. And, oh, my computer's (laughs) shot. I need to go buy a new $2,000 laptop. They've done a pretty good job of it.
0: Let me me tell you. They've done a pretty good job. Ken follows up with that question, Rich. So this idea, does the importer take it from the Windows.old folder? The reason I ask is I'm wondering if there's any issue with rolling back to the original upgraded OS. um, If it essentially bypasses the import, then it should work flawlessly. Any thoughts on that? Um,
1: well, here's the thing. Um, it does do the import from the Windows.old folder because that's where all your old data is. So your, your document directory, your settings, your apps, whatever information you had on your previous install. Uh, now, one thing Microsoft has really done well since 8.1, and it's gotten even better with Windows 10, is the rollback process, whether it be an abort. Something went wrong and the installation failed almost. I, I don't remember once that I've never gotten back to the original system without any issues. Um, so the rollback process, because all the rollback process is doing is basically restoring that Windows.old folder to its former spot. So it's going to be exactly what you had there to begin with. The import process, I think, again, let's say you've got a bad sector on a hard drive. And it happens to hit that at the right time. It, again, I don't, I can't guarantee this is why, but when I do a clean install, I don't have an import. I'm getting a fresh clean image from Windows 10 and you can do, there's the, uh, when you do the reset in Windows 10 and settings, there's an option to just leave everything behind and, and get yourself a clean. And it will basically take whatever image is on the hard drive and, Lay that down as the clean image. Windows old will be gone. There won't be a Windows old. Um, and so I think the risky part of this whole upgrade process is that import because there's just so many things that could go wrong.
0: I think it's a good time to get your, like Mike said, get your data to the cloud, yep. get it backed up, get get it identified and in the right
1: place. Start over. I yep. just, I can't, I agree. I can't emphasize yep. that enough. And I've st- now done that for four or five months. And again, it, knock on wood, I'll keep knocking on wood because, but it's run very well. Windows 10 has run well across multiple systems. And Rich, your advice
0: on Windows 10 on an upgrade. So we still have a lot of Windows 7 users who've been waiting. And I've been telling people to wait, actually. <laughs> most people are like, hey, when do we upgrade? I'm like, don't be in a hurry. There's not a lot of features in Windows 10 that most people are gonna take advantage of right away yeah. on old hardware, right? right? It's just one of those kinds of things like, just wait. If you wanna get the upgrade, Give them some time to get the driver set in. But from an upgrade perspective, do we still have the recommendation that you upgrade to Windows 10? You do the upgrade first. You capture that, that, that number, right? That, yeah, they call yeah, it a digital entitlement. You get that locked in and then you can blow it away at that point, do a fresh install, bring it back in, and then it will automatically authenticate and you'll get the, the, the Windows genuine authentication. Yeah, right.
1: It, it, it still does that. However, with the release last November or the November update, you can now use your Windows 7 and Windows 8 serial product keys to activate a Windows 10 install on hardware. And then it will gain the digital entitlement as well. So there's that wasn't present there when it released on 29 July and a lot of people were going, well, why not? Well, it took them till November, but they did add that option. So you could do it either way. Windows 7 or Windows 8.1, by doing the upgrade, you, it logs and creates a digital entitlement in the cloud that Microsoft stores associated with your account so that it can use it in the future for that piece of hardware. So it's, you, that will allow you to, to be valid. It'll be activated. It'll be genuine. Um, But now with the option to use these Windows 7 and Windows 8.18 keys, it's kind of a nice option that if you chose that you didn't want to go through the upgrade first because that was the magic. After 29 July until the November update came out, if you didn't upgrade from your previous OS, you didn't get activated. And so many people were so used to Windows in past, right? I'm just going to nuke it and I'm going to install the new ISO and now I don't have a serial key. And it don't, won't activate. And now I'm on a 30-day tr- trial, basically. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft heard that feedback, I think. And then in the November update, introduced that option. So either way now will get you that digital and and your activation.
0: Yeah, And that's, that's important. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Very so important.
2: Here's my, here's my question for you guys. Being new to the Windows space. So I got these two old boxes. One of them is actually not too old. has had Windows 7 on it. And it has the key there. And since I'm not using Windows on it, since I just ran FreeBSD and put PFSense on it. Can I take that key and plug it into, let's say, run a virtual box on my Mac and plug it in as a key to get Windows 7?
1: If that's an OEM box like a Dell or an HP or something like that, it's tied to the hardware and it's probably coded in the BIOS with Windows 7. Okay,
2: that's what I was wondering. Good to know.
1: Yeah. And the way Microsoft, especially Windows licensings work is it's
0: always tied to the hardware yep. in a lot of cases. Oh, I mean, yeah. You can buy, now, I mean, if, if you, you walk upgrade. out and
1: buy a commercial, if I go out and buy Windows 10 on July 30th this year and I have a disk or a digital download, that's a commercial purchase. I can install that on any box I want as long as I'm not running it on another device. It's only allowed to run on one. But when it's an OEM piece of hardware, so like an HP, Dell, or whatever, that key is stuck to that piece of hardware.
2: So if I went out and bought uh, Windows 10 to use in a virtual machine on my Mac, is that then tied to that to this hardware that I'm running on a Mac? Would it be tied to that virtual machine on the Mac? So if I want, if in the future I wanted to move it over,
1: yeah. When you get into virtual machines and licenses, it's a little weird. It gets a little different sometimes. Okay. And and I'm not going to sit here and say I know 100 percent for sure that that's legal. Licensing wise, because you can technically have an activated version of Windows and it's still not legal, still not genuine.
2: Oh, really? There's ways okay. to get
1: around things. Yeah. So I, I can't sit here and say 100 percent for sure. But as I think the Mac OS is a is a valid host system, you know, for a VM of Windows 10. OK. And so it may be very because right now people are running Insider on Macs, right, either right. in parallels or in a VM. So yeah, yeah. But VMs at ad, VM adds a little bit of weirdness to licensing. So you have to be careful. And, and I just can't give 100% for sure. Will it work? Probably yeah. we'll it well. just we'll like, like well. I can technically get the Mac OS. Right, right. And, and I can do a Hackintosh, but that's not legal. See, this should be my area of expertise. I'm, I'm
2: the <laughs> aspiring lawyer, but don't, uh, don't come I got you. That but that you, sort of stuff.
1: if you don't, there's a guy on Twitter that if you ever wanted to keep up with licensing kind of cool discussions, his uh his handle is Get Wired G E T W I R D. His name is Wes Miller. He teaches this stuff. He travels. He was just in Orlando this past week doing licensing stuff. So he's a guy who's constantly talking about licensing amongst many other subjects. So he's a great follow, and uh, he is very responsive to questions about licensing.
0: Great, i not follow uh, him now. <laughs> Ken, uh, Rich, uh, Ken also asks, so would you recommend people lock in their Windows 10 upgrade now knowing that the rollback feature is rock solid?
1: I would. And like you said, you know, you're telling people on Windows 7 there's no rush, whether it be hardware or whether it be uh, functionality, because although Windows 10 under the hood has tremendous improvements compared to Windows 7. From a security standpoint, some of those are tied to hardware, so you got to have the, either the Windows Hello camera. A $12 fingerprint reader works with Windows Hello. You know? So I would definitely lock in my free upgrade before 29 July of this year. That way it's done, and it's, it's entitled to that system, and you're squared away. Now, that means, you know, there was a lot of talk about the way that Microsoft worded the upgrade, right? They said for the life of that hardware, that system, because most of the time, if you replace a hard drive, it's not going to trigger reactivation. If you replace a graphics card, it's not going to trigger reactivation. Change a motherboard or CPU might trigger activation. That therefore is no longer the same hardware. Therefore, you're now on the hook for And that freaked people out too, people because, again, think back to Windows seven or what was the last upgrade they passed out just like willy nilly. I know they never gave one away free. Um, It was maybe it was something to seven. Remember, there was just so many copies of Windows seven given away and people thought that's what they did with Windows 10. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole new world when it comes to digital delivery. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sending it to you over the cloud or through an ISO download. You create installation media, but. I'm letting you upgrade a previous valid, genuine installation to get that Windows 10 privilege. The moment you change that hardware, you might be able to reactivate the Windows 7 or the previous OS, but you won't have the free upgrade to Windows 10 after 29 July. So you'd have to go out and buy it. I'd say if you've got hardware now that's eligible for the upgrade, upgrade it this year before 29 July to have the freebie and then go from there.
0: Yeah, and so I think this ties. Mark had a question. What part of the hardware is it tied to for a home build yeah. system? Is it tied it, to the hard drive? It's
1: motherboard mostly, right? Motherboard and chip. I, I would say motherboard is probably the biggest item because that's the brains uh, that ties it all together. I've changed plenty of hard drives on computers and never been prompted to reactivate. I've changed uh, graphics cards, added memory, never had any of those trigger. Now, I've never, and I've built brand new systems, but that's a whole different ball of wax. But I've never had those individual elements trigger, but Motherboard does. So the moment it's a whole new brain and CPU, I think that's the biggest trigger. But it could very well be a combination of things. But and Microsoft doesn't come out publicly and tell us what those things yeah, are. No, they're not going to. Uh, but don't forget, if you get in a situation and
0: you're you're doing this and things don't work, you can call Microsoft. There, there's a licensing support line. You can actually get through to a real person, and they'll walk you through if it's They'll sometimes
1: they'll do a manual reset of that and give you a new key. Yeah. uh, With windows seven and 8.1, they had an automated system practically and you only had to You put in a code that appeared on your screen. You called the number in your local country, wherever you're at, you inputted this very long, like 24 digit set of five numbers each. I don't know. And it would say, well, how many systems is this running on? And you'd say none. And then it would give you a code to put in five letter groups until you, and it would reactivate. So I, right now with Windows 10, most of the people I've talked to are getting live people like you said. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of people are being told, oh, well, tough luck, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So Windows 10, it, if you think Windows 10 is a whole new ball of wax when it comes to activation, when it comes to being genuine. When it comes to how they're licensed and how you got that privilege or that opportunity to upgrade to Windows 10. So it's introducing a lot of differences when it comes to this for Microsoft. So I think they're even playing catch up with the, the whole support side of it and how, they, you know, initially with Windows 7, if I remember, Windows 7 was the first one to have activation. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was not with the original release. I think it came with the first service pack and It came later. Yeah. Yeah. It was still a very manual process talking to a person in those days. and eventually. About four or five years later, became an automated system. I mean, I even discovered at one point that if it was longer than six months since I, because I was Mike, I was installing Windows Seven every six months, clean. That was my kind of nature. And you'd have to call and do the activation, but after six months, it wouldn't even prompt for it. So it's kind of like it looked like things w- washed out of the system within six months, and it didn't know you were there. I, it was kind of weird, but you never <laughs> yeah. know. I, you it's know, never it's not been a business. Sense. It's not, it's no science, exactly. No. So I would definitely get the freebie, make sure you're entitled to it and you've got that squared away and then go forward from
2: there. Yeah. And on the Mac side, when you're doing a nuke and pave, just be really careful if you have super old hardware. So I'm running into this issue right now. I'm fixing my sister-in-law's computer. It's so old that she doesn't have the Mac store, or sorry, the the app store. So she cannot upgrade through that and try, if you don't have a CD, she got this computer secondhand. If you don't have an installation CD, they don't even carry it in the Apple stores. You cannot go to an Apple store and say, hey, I need get the latest version before the app store came out. And if you don't have that, you are completely out of luck. You have no way to install. And if her hardware can't run the newest stuff, I can't even download it on my computer and, right. and port it over there. So the so only way on the is Mac... Hardware to,
1: though? How old is that hardware you're talking about?
2: 2000... Five maybe? That's eleven years old. Time to upgrade. You'd be amazed at what
1: you get for performance.
2: Yeah, well we're we're gonna throw in a we're gonna throw in a well maybe it's two thousand six or seven. I can't remember what, but she she missed the boat is what I mean. So she didn't upgrade fast enough. She so her hardware technically could run it, I believe. Okay, uh, but it's just a weird wonky issue. So we're just gonna do a clone over to an SSD and hope for the best that there's not right. a, a lot of cruft back there. But in that case, too, she's not upgrading through the operating system. So technically, there shouldn't be any cruft. She just is extremely limited on what she can run on it. So. Right. Wow. wow.
0: Uh, again, that should just work, Mike. I don't, I don't know why. It's an Apple. It should just, yeah. right? <laughs> it should just work. I don't understand. Oh, that's what we've been told. That's, uh, right. that's all I know on the Windows side. Your stuff they, doesn't work. <laughs> our stuff works.
2: Yeah, we just, That's there's this, it's, it's called this little button. You just power it on and it just, boop, it does our, and it. And it writes my law school papers for me. Oh, Mac God. stuff is fantastic now. Steve it's Jobs
0: comes back from the dead. He actually does the reinstall for you, those kinds of things. So it's magical.
1: Well, hey, let's. Um,
0: hey, speaking of know. Apple and
1: Mac stuff, I got to chime in here real quick. February 2nd, I'm going to hear Waz talk at oh, cool. University of North Florida. He's a great guy. He's doing a speaking He's session. Over there, one That's of their touring speaking sessions. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to hearing him talk and see what he has to say. It'll be good. I saw him. He came to Omaha
0: a couple years ago, and I got a chance to see him and meet him. And it was really cool. And so he got up there to start speaking and said, well, I was born, right? And an hour and 15 minutes later, he was in high school. And like, yeah. And then he He goes, yeah. So we're all sitting there kind of looking at our watches. And I think at one point he realized he'd gone a long (laughs) time. And he goes, oh, how, how much longer do I have here? And he was always scheduled to speak like an hour ago, minutes, right? right? And the 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 host goes, "Oh, go another 45. <laughs> <laughs> he went another hour and fifteen, and, and wow. got through. But he's, you know, he, the interesting parts of his story are about the squawk box and the Captain Crunch whistle and the, you know, those early days of phone freaking, yeah. which was the original hacking, right? I mean, that's what think they did, yeah. hacking. Yeah, that's the original kind of the original hacking. And so it's super interesting. I, all cool. two and a I'm half. I'm looking three forward hours. to it. Yeah. It's going to be great. Waz Waz is a good guy. He's just a little crazy. Just be careful. (laughs) Let's, uh, speaking of crazy, you got a band. uh, I got a band. We got them the same weekend. And we're both on version two. I haven't seen a lot of movement, to be honest with you. We've had one update, I think, or maybe one and a minor update in there somewhere. Um, I kind of get the feeling, I mean, they're working on this thing, but Rich, with the band two, do you feel like they're giving it priority and that we're going to get some more stuff to it? Or you get that feeling it's kind of, we're going to set it and forget it and let this thing
1: kind of roll? Band 2 falls under the Xbox division now. Uh, It's all part of the same division. So there's been so much work on Xbox getting it to the Windows 10 1 core, which came out last November. And they just cranked back up updates for the preview program. Uh, In fact, I had one yesterday, about 450 megabytes that's going to start to introduce a whole bunch of new features, bring some stuff back. Preview on the Xbox? Yeah, Xbox One Preview Program.
2: I need to get into that. I had no idea that existed.
1: Yeah, now I don't know about signups for that because they had closed it off for a while last fall oh, as they were getting ready to transition the Preview Program to the One Core, the Windows 10 Core.
2: Impressed. It, it may be open guy. back
1: up again. If you if you stick me on live, I'm at WinOBS on Xbox Live, I'll try to invite you. I've still had that ability within their app to invite people, so I'll give it a I'm shot sure it if anybody up. out there wants to join Uh, Just add me on uh, Xbox Live at WinOBS, same as my Twitter handle, and I'll pick it up and I'll throw you in there and see what happens. Um, But I know of a couple people who haven't even gotten invites, so maybe they're going to crank it back up. But so I think Band, um, since they're now under that umbrella with Xbox One and that team, which is all part of Windows and Devices Group now. Right. That's one great big organization um, under Terry Meyerson. I'm not sure. We've had one firmware update for Band since it came out in late November, or no, late October because right. Summit was the first week in November and we had our Band Twos at Summit, and we've gotten that one update. There's not been a whole lot of uh, functionality update. Well, we did get yeah that one update. Yeah, brought no, we neat got some little features. Yeah, you right? get some
0: time. You can control your music from the watch. Yeah, they can, finally, a new can finally prompt
1: you to stand up and walk around if you've been idle for X amount of time. So. Yeah it was a um, nice upgrade i mean I it agree. was a nice update and music i thought control, oh, cool. they, they added right. music control music they control. added the get up and walk thing and a couple other little features but no you're right with band one they were they were moving through updates pretty quick with band one at least once a month and we now this has been out for at least two months maybe three november december january and we only seen one update
0: yeah well, I just was wondering what you were thinking on that. I
1: it hasn't changed my opinion of it. I love wearing no, it. It's I enjoy com- it. It's, Have it's you seen images on Twitter, though? I saw one guy tweeted me a picture that the band is separating about oh. a half an inch away from the screen. Uh, there's a uh, That may be where the electronics end. I don't know. But um, he's got a split in the skin at that point. And so we're about talking second about or third person. Yeah, we're right, talking right about there. a little bit to the left of the screen.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah on either side. No, nothing for me yet. And it's a daily, I wear it daily. In fact, I need to I'm trying to get in the habit because the battery life is so terrible. Um, I'm trying to get in the habit of uh, locking this thing. Every night I come sit down at my desk. Yeah. That's locking this to the charger, setting me, uh, it here for an hour and then putting it back on when I'm done. And I keep forgetting to put it back on. So it, yeah, like,
1: I do that too, because I work at home like you. So I'm at my desk. There's, I put it on the charger and leave it there. Hang on a minute. Let me grab something. Okay. Well, Rich is gone. One of the things I wish, Mike, they had done on this
0: band is put, you know, there's part of the batteries in here and I wish they had the, in this part of the, in that part of it right there. I wish they'd have made like a, re- where you could pull the battery in and out and have two batteries. So yeah. you could slide one in, go all day. Even all if right. that kind that
2: stuff makes so much more sense when you have oh, a, a watch, something that you travel with, something that you will have with you all of the time, just like a phone. And I'm never going to get that with Apple. So I might as well stop wishing for it, but you <laughs> might actually get something cool like that. <laughs> yeah, baby. This Rich, is the,
1: um, uh, the band stand that Microsoft store is selling, uh, it costs $20, but it integrates your charging cable and it, it has a nice, uh, little hook there. Let me see if I can show that. Yeah. So you can see that the band is there and it's kind of cool the way it it, you just slide your, the sensors in, you hit the charger and it sits there and charges like that. And so how much 20 bucks? Oh, that's not bad. Maybe I'll uh, pick Microsoft one up store. And, uh, yeah. well, it sit on the, it just sit on the thing overnight. Well, I, that's I what it does it. for me. I don't use it for <laughs> sleep monitoring anymore because uh, I just, I find that it bugs me to all get out when I sleep. Um, but I've got to tell you, they improved the detection of sleep. So it, now used to never pick up sleep if you didn't tell it to but now if you fall asleep and you didn't turn it on to sleep it will find you it will figure out that you slept so it's definitely big improvements over the old one over uh, band one and it's a great workout device i've been putting it through its paces
0: on stairs and on the bike and on running and and i've just really liked it from a performance fitness tracker steps we were In San Diego. My son was graduating from Marine Boot Camp last week, the reason we didn't have a show last week. And, and uh, as we're walking around the base, I realized, man, I put 15,000 steps on that. You forget, you know, you park and then it's a military base. So you really don't drive around a lot. We kind of walked everywhere. And 15,000 steps in a day. And, you you know, that thing buzzed at 10 and you're like, oh, man, that's, you know, by one o'clock, I was at 10,000 already. So that piece works really, really well on the band. Um, the stopwatch, the stopwatch functionality, the lapping functionality, not as great as my Garmin. The Garmin did that stuff excellent and very, very well and tracked it very well. So I think they've got some improvements they need to make in some of those areas. But yeah. I, I was just hoping we would see monthly kind of some monthly here. Yeah, we got we're it. not
1: seeing that with that. So it kind of like puts it on a back burner. Rod is Rod does a lot with band. He tracks its accuracy on a treadmill and running and compares it to other yeah. devices and stuff like that. So he, he is our guru and our fitness nut when it comes to that stuff. And uh, in fact, next week in Fort Lauderdale is the big wearables tech expo. Um, it's a four day event down there. So that it'll be interesting to see. I know we had CES a couple of weeks ago, but there may be some very specific stuff coming out of the wearables tech expo that because was it today I saw a story that said we got to go beyond the steps when it comes to all these wearables and how do we get there? So some of them have that
2: capability, but yeah. you know, where does it go from there? Yeah i really hope that apple takes a page out of microsoft's book and and learns a lot from their first wearable so you jim you talked about it all the things that were upgraded from band one to band two and the reasons you waited now all the rumors are starting to come out for the apple watch 2 it's going to be released in in march or april and as I look at it, you know, so I just got the first one and they're hardware wise. The only thing I want is a bigger battery. And maybe I would like a change of form factor because when you look at this thing, as it sits on the top, there's no curve to that. You see these little corners right here and and, one
0: band right there. Yeah.
2: yeah. No kidding. (laughs) That causes movement. Things can get, things get stuck in here. I catch my zipper in between here all the time just because, and you can't get rid of it. There's no real way to um, get rid of it. So there's some form factor things I want to change. But as far as that goes for like, I don't want a camera. I don't want cellular radios because of the battery life drain on both of those. I wouldn't use them. So battery life and a change in form factor, everything else they can pretty much do with software upgrades. Now, barring any, you know, adding more power behind for, the watch. As in pro- stuff. Yeah. Right. And stuff like that. But even the sensors are pretty good on this thing. As we, you talked about going beyond steps. I don't even I've, I've never counted steps. Uh, it kind of gives you these circles, right? right the circles. Yeah, so the circles are how it's not going to wake up. The circles are how it monitors stuff. So you've got exercise, you've got how many hours you stood during the day and stuff like that. So, kind of a nice way to measure things. And it's kind of cool because it knows with the heartbeat sensor, okay, this is when he's exercising compared to just, you know, walking around. So, and I know the band does a lot of that stuff too, yeah. but I'm kind of starting to get into those analytics and really like it. But I just hope that form factor wise, I really, and Apple will, Apple's all about clean, sleek looks and stuff like that. But what I'm worried about, is that they're just going to add some stuff like some some gimmicky things and not change the form factor too much and i think that's really the the one big improvement that the apple watch needed. This thing looks like a nerd watch. Like you can tell, right? It's square, it's bulky, it's i mean it's big. You can tell it is a it's not a normal watch whereas a lot of those gear watches and stuff like that, they look fantastic because they look traditional. They're that circle, they yeah. you couldn't even tell if you wanted to which i i There's good pros and cons to both, but I kind of like the more traditional circular face. But overall, I mean, just being able to, my wife and I were driving around and again, the whole house search thing, this is affecting every aspect of our life. We were trying to do some quick math, right? Okay. What's, what's a percentage of a huge number for like down payments and stuff. So as I'm driving, I just activate uh, Siri. I won't say it, but I activated Siri with my voice and asked her to do a quick math equation. And it popped up right on my watch. And I was just able to, you know, as we're driving, just do some simple math stuff without having to get out a calculator. So simple things like that. That's why I don't think the Apple watch needs too much improvement as far as, you know, microphone speakers, it already has that. But man, the band, too, has it nailed on form factor. Yeah. And and you hit it on the head. It's about the data behind it. It's that's where you go beyond the steps. Most
1: of us use these trackers for basic info, like the number of steps we took today. But when you dive into the Microsoft Health app or the health dashboard online, the amount of information that they have about your activity and what you're doing, if you're doing all these different things is unreal and could really be put to good use. But you've got to dive into it and you've got to start exploring, and you got to just can't say, Hey, I did uh, 1,562 steps today.
2: Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. actually needs to tell me, Hey, fat bastard,
1: get up and start <laughs> walking.
2: Right. <laughs> and That's they need to it. warn people about backing up your data from these trackers. So, uh, kind of a horror story from an Apple user. She was, so these things sync obviously to your phone, right? And it stores it yep. in the health kit in your iPhone well if you back up your iPhone now not many people do this most people do iCloud backups which there's no problem with that an iCloud backup is encrypted but when you do a traditional backup to your computer if you plug in with the lightning cable backup to iTunes by default that is not encrypted you have to check one more box for encryption Mm -hmm. Uh, so and health kit has to be encrypted if you back up with a non-encrypted backup that stuff does not come over so she had had a watch she had had all this data in there she was really into health kit she lost her phone. It went in the sink or something. She went to go back up from her computer and none of that came up there. Wow. But that's something that's not very publicized. You know, people just, right. it's not something that's talked about. So keeping that data once you have it is also an important thing and something that I was like, oh, I hope I'm doing it the right way. And I was doing iCloud, so it's not an issue, but something to think about. Rich, I also had my
0: band spontaneously re- just reset. Uh, I left it on the charger reset? for a day or two and yeah, complete factory reset all by itself. Have you heard of wow.
1: anything? I haven't heard of that one, but what I have been hearing about is the whole battery issue that it will suddenly look like it doesn't have a charge, even though you just fully charged it. Mm, and so it'll suddenly problem. start showing zero. Yeah. Some no, people came have back to, to return. Some people have had to do returns on them and send it back.
0: I picked up the watch, and it was at that point where you're picking what location you're at and what language it's in. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I'll admit, it was a little discouraging to have to go back to it because I'd put so much customization into it. And then I'm like, oh, God, I want to do that again. And I have not Microsoft Health app should have that backup, I think. Uh,
2: Is is there no backup backup for the band? Does it not back up at all?
0: Not configuration.
1: No, the data goes to the cloud eventually. It goes to the health uh, dashboard. So, But the way you've got your phone, your band configured, whether it be customizations and colors, the number of tiles, what tiles, and information like that, that information is not backed up anywhere. So when, you, when it has to be reset, you've got to redo all that.
2: Wow. But okay, so this creates the Apple have. Watch creates a backup in iCloud. So as it attaches to your phone, so I did a yeah. full factory restore because I had set some things up the way I didn't want to. I was like, okay, we're just gonna nuke and pave this. And it was like, hey, do you want to restore from a backup? No, exactly. I didn't want to. But it's that like Windows was yeah, exactly like the first 10 time to
1: use re- to restore from a previous something else. Uh-huh. And the watch or watch the uh, the band should have that same basic functionality. I think it's a snapshot of how the band's configured yeah. and it's already syncing it to your phone. So it'd be easy enough to do that, I would think. So. Right. And that's something that uh, I it'd think they did upgrade, upgrade
0: then, for sure. Rich, hang tight. Mike, hang tight. Uh, we, okay. I got a few things I need to do on close. We're going to wrap up the recorder part of the show. Then we'll, Rich, if you can stay around, we'll open up a seat. And if anybody wants to jump in and talk Windows with us, we, we got a Windows that way. We have two Windows MVPs uh, here. And then there's Who's me. Who's the other one? So,
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you are. That's MVP. right. Your <laughs> Windows experience now.
0: <laughs> and then there's me. So we, yeah. So uh, hang tight. I do want to go back. We had a, a listener email. This uh, actually came in a couple weeks ago. I wanted to read it out loud, though, to you guys, because it was something I said, and it's important that I get corrected on some of these things. So let me read it to you. So Jeff writes to us, he says, I listened to your podcast Home Gadget Geeks after finding it several months ago. It's one of the podcasts that helps me get through the workday, even when I'm doing some desk work. So Jeff, thanks for listening to us, even when you're doing some desk work. Thank you for the hard work that you put into the show. That's all Mike Wieger there. And uh, I have to say, I'm very excited about the Ring interview, which we're still trying to get settled. I had that for last Monday, and I oh, lost it. And they the did a Windows support. app, too. Yeah, they do. The Windows 10 app. Mm-hmm. So uh, he says, Beyond Praise, I'm emailing you because one of the recent shows you mentioned, Virtual Reality, only seeming to be a gaming option, Mike. Do you remember when we talked about? I uh, was guilty that I said that those exact words. I think it was me, not even you. Uh, I think I said it too. I said augmented reality is the more useful version, and right. and virtual is really only for gaming. That's exactly what I said <laughs> in the show. I actually, he says, Jeff says, I actually just read an article about a doctor that used Google Cardboard, an iPhone, and a special app to best prepare for a rare surgery on a four-month-old in Miami. The doctor described using virtual reality and the challenges and bad luck that had led even to using, uh, using this new tool. I included the quote uh, and the link for the full story. He says in quotes, With Google Goggle, it is possible to move around and see the heart from every angle, to almost be inside the heart checking out its structure, which is true, right, when we think about virtual reality from this standpoint. um, Burke looked through the Google Cardboard and visualized what he could do uh, to fix this this patient's heart. And so the, I'll put the link to the full story in there. But, wow. you know, Mike, he's right in the sense that when we think of virtual reality from a, from a, from a uh, a medical standpoint or whatever, it's still, though, it's still, I hate to say this, it's still an immersive gaming scenario, right, where you're going in and going around. Now, it's not gaming because he's saving somebody's life. And so right. I appreciate that. So I, and Jeff, I know you're not correcting me, but I stand corrected. It's true. It's th- those kinds of uh, those kinds of applications are very viable. And, and that is one of those things. When you think about any kind of training, rich military training, right? Think about yeah. what the things we could do with virtual reality in a military sense that um, could maybe uh, would be better than an augmented reality standpoint. Yeah. So, Jeff, they thanks showed,
1: for talking about some of that at CES to Trent Dilfer, I think, talked about it, the use in the NFL in that they could put players into game situations in a virtual environment and have them make this, you know, like a quarterback. How would you read this defense? What would you change? You know, how would you change the play? So, I mean, I remember when telemedicine first came out in the Navy and where they could talk over the phone and send images over the phone that were like one every five or 10 seconds to help a doctor in the field. You know, so it, it, you remember the old uh, emergency TV show, mm-hmm. Jim, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they would call in on the radio and talk to those guys over the radio. Right. Yeah. About what was going on. Yeah. Um, so it. it each generation has its uniqueness when it comes to this kind of technology and how it can be used. And there's no doubt. I mean, look at HoloLens. Some of the, and the early demo videos, they showed that, you know, a a teacher teaching medical students biology and anatomy, and they had this virtual Mm -hmm. uh, image in front of them that showed the different layers of the skin, the bone, you know, so there's tremendous amount. And, we oh no, it was at build last year that I got to do HoloLens and I did the, the CAD and the, the drafting and I did the look at the wall kind of thing. But augmented reality, uh, it, they just got HoloLens up on space station, right? In the, the mm-hmm. uh, I forget who it was, it wasn't uh Dragon, but it wasn't SpaceX, but. Um, They now have HoloLens up there with the ability for them to connect with the ground. And look at what just happened with this spacewalk, right? They had a water leak in the helmet again of one of the spacewalkers last Friday. So they pulled them in early. They're doing research. They're checking everything. And they're able to share this data back and forth by all rights. If they figure out a fix on the ground, Scott Kelly up there on the International Space Station 300 days today could put on a set of HoloLens with an engineer on the ground. And they could walk him through exactly what to do and fix that suit mm-hmm. from afar from 250 yeah. miles it's 250 miles is not a long way except if it's up in directly <laughs> ahead of you Unless so space. <laughs> th- that's where the augmented reality i think can come in now microsoft showed it off as a gaming platform too right back in october in new york they came on stage and had that guy had that thing on his hand and he was zapping whatever was crawling out of the walls and virtual reality if you were paying attention to cs i won't make mention but it's got a lot of uses, um, and but that's restrictive. Think about it. I cannot see outside of that environment. Right. So you have to be aware of where you're at. And so that can't be used in all situations in all yeah. cases. Yeah,
0: Yeah. No. right on. So, Jeff Schiller, thanks for uh, sending in that note. You can always send me if you have those kinds of that kind of feedback. Ted, who just took off, and I was going to mention Ted, and then he took off. Ted had sent me and He said, hey, I listened to the five-year show and uh, excited to hear your show next week. That happened to be the week I was off. So, we oh. said, Oh, we said, Hey, Ted, I, I sent him a note. Sorry, man. I'm in San Diego. He said, No problem. He came back tonight. But uh, I always appreciate those. And Ted, great to have you uh, out here listening tonight. I always appreciate that feedback that we get from you guys. So if you want to send me an email, love, uh, love to get those from you. Uh, Jim at the is the best way to send it to me. You can find me on Twitter at jcollison. You can find uh, Mike over there at Uyghur Tech. Of course, you can get uh, Rich at WinOBS. That's me. And uh, we, we're all on Twitter quite a bit. So if you want to communicate with us through Twitter, that's one way to do it. If you ever got a Windows question, Rich is the guy yep. to ask. So you send can send them my those way to him as well. want to let you know that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, that's, of course, you know, that's Christian, and get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting, from people you know and trust. For more information, visit Maple Grove Partners. That's just Maple Grove Partners. All in Word dot com. Uh, WordPress and uh, podcast hosting plans starting at ten bucks. It's a pretty good deal. Ten bucks a month uh, for Christian. He loved to set that up for you. Want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio. Mike, are they up and running over at WLMN? Yes, they're back is that up from the break.
2: Okay, they're good, good to go.
0: So Roger is broadcasting us live on terrestrial radio out at uh, WLMN. In, what this show? Yeah, this show.
2: Yeah, wow. this show. I'm uh, on the radio.
0: Rich, we're the big we're in big time now. What, uh, yeah, what's what's something else, in where's that at, Mike? Grafton, West Virginia. Grafton, West Very Virginia. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty so cool. So I want to thank Roger for doing that as well. Just a reminder that you can pick up and listen to the apps here, uh and listen through the apps. HomeGadgetGeeks.com is the way to do it. Don't forget to listen to the other podcast as a part of the Geeks Network, thegeeksnetwork.com com as well. And and I'll encourage you, go out and listen to Rich. Again, you that's that's listen to both these guys. You should you can get Apple and you can get a Microsoft. Boom. You're you got everything you need. I guess you have to get a We don't have a really solid Google uh podcast, do we, Rich and the Geeks? Not. I,
1: I don't think there is anything Android or any of that thing. Yeah, yeah no. We need one of those. So if
0: you're interested in starting and if you've got an Android or a Google podcast that you want to get involved, let me know. We'll get you hooked into Dave and uh, see if you can become a part of the Geeks Network. Doesn't cost you yeah. anything. We just want to Not get a, you involved. No. If you are shopping, I do want to say thanks for all the support you've given to the Tech Scholarship Fund on the average guy. You guys went crazy on cables. Right after Christmas. Well, I know what everybody got for Christmas. Holy cow. I just saw a ton of cables come through on the uh, on the the Amazon. I, I can't see who did it, of course, but it does tell me what they buy through the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund.
1: Not if by you, name, though. Yeah. I got to say this. When you say that, you, you don't know by name who bought what. So if, I don't know. You know, Very it's generous. just general purchases. You get a list of purchases that were it's made. What yeah.
0: they bought. But, uh, man, there were a ton of cables in cool. this month's purchase. So a lot of people get new devices. And if you go out to TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon, that is the way to get uh, to get in that and automatically pick it up and we'll get some credit for that. Somebody, Mark, always mentions, Yeah, what about Canada? Well, we have a Canadian link to TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon CA. Get you our link in Uh, in Canada. All right, we are live every Thursday, most Thursdays. I take a couple Thursdays off a year to get it done. But we are live out here most Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out theaverageguy.tv slash live. Got some great interviews coming up for you here in the future. We're trying to get those guys from ring.com back. we got some guys from the network coming in. Lots of great tech. We'll have a very, very full spring for you. So I'm going to say get subscribed, get in here and get listened. Uh, Listen to these guys' podcasts as well. And with that, if you're listening live, hang around. But with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.